0: Today, I am not preaching. That's why I'm up here doing all these announcements. Um, We have a special guest with her, with, with her, with us. Omar Niebles is currently, you can give it up for him. I've known Omar since 2009, when Jeff Borkowski and I were planting Relevant Church. He was a year ahead of us. He was the associate pastor of a church called The Plant. It was a church plant that he helped to plant. Um, And so I've known him. We've been in the same, uh, not just district, but we've been in some of the same trainings together, um, and it's just been a blessing to know him. He is currently the director of justice and missions engagement with our district, the metro district of the CMA, the Christian Missionary Alliance. Alliance. He's been married to his wife, Carrie, for the last 15 years. They've got four daughters. Yeah, four daughters. Amen. <laughs> God bless him. And uh, I asked him to come be a part of the series that we're doing, A World in Need of Emmanuel. Um, but before he comes up, I would like to invite you to stand as Cindy Palacelli, my good friend, comes to do the reading for the day.
1: Good morning. I'm going to be reading from the book of Matthew. This is how the birth of Jesus, the Messiah, came about. His mother, Mary, was pledged to be married to Joseph. But before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law and yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly but after he had considered this an angel of the lord appeared to him in a dream and said joseph son of david do not be afraid to take mary home as your wife because she is conceived because what is conceived in her is from the holy spirit he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him and took Mary home as his wife. But he did not consummate their marriage until she gave birth to a son, and he gave him the name Jesus. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea during the time of King Herod, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, Where? Is the son where is the one who was born King of Jews we saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him when King Herod heard this he was disturbed and all Jerusalem with him thank
2: you you may be seated <clears throat> well, good morning, True Life Church. Good morning to the 14 of you that are awake. That's great. Great, great. Well, um, happy Advent to you. Merry Christmas. I might as well get them all out of the way. Happy New Year, Happy Valentine's Day, St. Patrick's Day. You know, I don't know when I'll see you all next, right? Some of you I will see actually in February So for our, for our training. Yeah, we got the same T-shirt on, nice. So my name is Omar Nieblez. Uh Yes, I am a dad of daughters only. Four, four daughters. Uh, I am a dodo. So, you know, dad of daughters only. Dodo. Y'all know what that is, right? You learned it in social studies class probably in the third grade. It got about three lines in there and said, you know, dodo birds are now extinct. They don't exist anymore. They've been killed off the face of the earth. When I pass, so will my last name. Dodo, there you are. There you have it. Um, this is a, I I love the Advent season. I've been uh, one, uh, I've been known to say that I will not let Christmas ruin my Advent, you know. Some of you might feel that way as well, right? Like we don't want to let Christmas ruin uh, our Advent. And so in our family, uh, we, we give each season its due time. And so I mean, obviously kids are going to be kids, right, with four girls, you know, Advent, you know, Christmas, try to, try to hold on, like, hey, this is what we're aiming for. But when December 25 comes around, we roll into, like, the 12 days of Christmas. And so it's like, my, this morning, you know, my, my wife's like, oh, Christmas is, like, going by so fast. And my daughter goes, no, it's not. We have a whole month, you know. It's like, yes, it's, like, seeping in. She knows, right, we're going until January the 6th. Before I jump into the sermon today, Pastor Chris asked me, by the way, thank you, Pastor Chris, for the invite to uh, to be with you all. Um, it, it is exciting. It is exciting to be able to have a friendship now for about 15 or so years and, you know, mutually, continually hear about what God has been doing in our lives and in the plants that we've been a part of and in ministry. So um, y'all are, are dear to my heart for sure uh, because of the friendship that we have. Uh, I don't know if you guys know this. You didn't, you didn't say this, but... Uh, Pastor Chris wanted me to talk a little bit about the Great Commission Fund and missions, just to kind of highlight that a little bit more. Uh, there are about 1,800 Alliance churches all throughout the U.S. True Life is in the top 100 churches, at least this past year, when it came to giving to the Great Commission Fund. Yeah, that that deserves some noise, right? Like, so thank you, thank you for those of you that that are giving, that are serving. You had the opportunity this morning to stay in bed. You had that option to do that. Now, some of you may actually nod off in about 10 to 15 minutes as I get going. Like that's, I I realize that's a strong possibility, right? Um, You may have the, you have that option. Uh, But the reality is, friends, half the world, 3.4 billion people in our world, are not longing for the second arrival, the second advent of Jesus, 3.4 billion people haven't even heard that he arrived for their rescue and their salvation the first time. And so when you give to the Great Commission Fund, when you partner with Alliance Missions in this way, you are partnering with the rest of the body of Christ that is saying, we want to give people the opportunity. They may say no, but we want to give them the opportunity that they don't have. To make that decision for themselves, yes or no, to that first coming, first arrival of Jesus Christ. Amen. Let's pray together. Jesus, we want to thank you for this day that you have given to us. God, it's the day that you've made, and we will rejoice, Lord. We rejoice and be glad in it. Lord, I, I don't know, I don't know what people have come to here um, this morning with, what they're carrying, what the burdens are. Lord, of course, for, for many people, it's a great time of year. Lord, for other people, it's, it, it's, a, it's a reminder of pain. It's a reminder of loss. Um, God, we pray that you would be present uh, in, in each one of our uh, circumstances and situations that we find ourselves in. God, we pray that you would lead us today. Lord, that you would be the one who would speak. God, we give you the platform this morning. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. How do you respond to the interruptions that come to you during the day? Maybe you're like me and you get frustrated that your time is being infringed upon. Anybody out there like that? One of you out. Mm, yes, I felt that, right? Some of you get anxious right? Your schedule, your week, your day, it's packed, it's full. How could you now possibly fit one more thing in? And anxiety goes up, right? Some of you isolate yourselves. An interruption comes and somehow you just happen to like bleed like into the background, right? You, you back away slowly and you try to slip out the back door unnoticed, some of you like to play dumb. I'm not trying to offend you, but, but here's what I mean by that. Oh oh, oh did, did you text me I, I I happened to not get that text message I, I must have opened it like it must have been in the series of other text messages, and I opened it by accident, and therefore I never saw it Did, did you call me i, I you know I, I, I don't know that I got him I don't know that I got him. miss. So many people have called me this week, you know I just I don't know that I missed that call from you that I got that I didn't get, right? Oh, a a lot of you guys, all right. You guys know what I'm talking about, right? Just this past week, literally, Tuesday uh, afternoon, late afternoon, I get a text message from someone. It's a friend of mine that I haven't been in contact with for years. He says, hey, Omar, I hope this is still your number. Sorry I've been out of contact with you. I know it's been a few years. If you're free tonight and you have a few moments, can you give me a call? So specific, right? It it, it was the, if you have a few moments tonight, not tomorrow, not when you can, tonight, that started to stir up a lot of those emotions that I felt. So you had a long day. There were meetings back to back to back to back. I was rushing to get home because we needed to eat dinner real quick because one of my daughters had her winter choir concert that we had to get her to there early. And upon arriving back, I wanted to hang out with the girls for a little bit because I had more work to do. Schoolwork stuff, more sermons to write, emails to get back to, and y'all know it's the Advent season, right? And the amount of stuff we can pack in in this, like, month, right, is unbelievable, right? Everybody's got to turn up. And so I'm, 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 I'm going through all of these emotions, vacillating, trying to navigate through everything that I feel. But in this moment, I, I, I'm like, what I want to do is to play dumb. What I want to do is like, hey, really sorry, I didn't get to your text message, I didn't see it, you know do it on my time, but I decided to lean in. I I tell the girls we got home, I was like, hey, give dad 15 minutes, that's it. 15 minutes, I'm gonna make this phone call and um, then we'll hang out because you guys got stuff to do anyway in the meantime and then I gotta go do what I gotta do. I call up my buddy, underneath all of this, I'm thinking to myself, is it just a request for a phone call? Like when I get a phone call like that, generally it comes with like the next request. The initial request is call me tonight. But because I've got this other thing I want to ask you about. We call, we we get on the phone. Hey, Omar, I can't believe you called me. Really? You asked me to call you tonight, right? We catch up 15 minutes. It was awesome. He didn't have anything else he wanted. He's like, I just wanted to connect with you. That's it. I just wanted to talk to a friend. I'm like, wow, that's it. All right, cool. We made plans. We're going to connect together again in the next few weeks here, face to face. And it's going to be awesome. Friends, you don't have to tell me. I know you don't love interruptions. I know that you hate disturbances to your already busy calendar. But, but what if it was God himself who was bringing the interruption to your doorstep? What if it was God who was personally bringing this disturbance to your life because he wanted to accomplish something profound in you and through you, in your life and in the lives of the people around you? Friends, I submit to you that this is actually good news. This is Good news for us. And hopefully by the time that we're wrapped up here, you'll believe this as well. Because, friends, there are times in our lives when God introduces disturbances to align us to his great, greater plan for us and for our world. I'll say that one more time because I don't want you to miss it. It's going to flash up behind me. <clears throat> the good news is, is that there are times in our lives... When God introduces disturbances in our world, in our lives, to align us to his greater plan for you, for me, for the entire world. Friends, in other words, God is not a reactive God. He's not caught off guard by the interruptions and the disturbances that come your way. Friends, God is proactive, Proactive in bringing us into alignment with what he's doing all around our world. And it impacts beyond just you and me. The question that we're going to wrestle with this morning is are we attuned? Are we attuned to the alignment that God is trying to do in us and through us? As we hop back into the passage here in Matthew chapter 1, I want you to realize one thing God is the one who is doing the disturbing. God is the one who is doing the interrupting. God is the one who who has purposes because of these interruptions and disturbances. Not just for this humble couple that we see here. But it has reverberations for the generations that were and are yet to come. So what is the alignment that God is actually trying to do? Alignment number one. Here we go. Alignment, uh, number one, is alignment with his identity for your life. I, alignment with his identity for your life. It says this in Matthew chapter 1, verse 20. But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife. Because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. Joseph does not have the luxury that you and I have in this moment to know not just what's happening here. Friends, and, 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 I, and I wanna, I, if I could just go back, because some of y'all were like, what, what happened? How, how can he get that? Verse 18 starts like this. If we can go back to verse 18. This is how the birth of Jesus and Messiah came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, but be, before they came together, she was pa- found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. Again, God is the one who is doing the interruption, the interrupting here. He's the one that's bringing this disturbance uh, in this way. So God brings this disturbance, it's not just to this virgin Mary, but it also is to this man named Joseph. Could you imagine Joseph in this moment? Guys, put yourselves in Joseph's shoes just for a moment. Hold on, Mary, hold on, time out, time out, time out. I was really excited to see you today. I brought you flowers. I, I brought you this sheep. I mean, you know, you know, whatever they brought to each other back in those days, right? I brought you this pie. I don't know, right? I was really excited to see you. But are you telling me that, that there's a baby in your womb and I'm not the father? Right? I mean, this is like Jerry Springer material here, right? Like, legit. <clears throat> oh, oh. And an angel came to see you to let you know this was happening. Oh my gosh, right? Like, who, who is this person, right? Like, who is this? Who am I talking to? Here you have Joseph completely um, just side by this news, by this conversation that is happening, that is happening with his betrothed-to-be wife, Right? We can't blame Joseph for his response. He secretly wants to now divorce Mary. For as crazy as this is, for as crazy as this sounds, this scandal is just way too big to be a part of. And so he decides he's going to divorce her secretly. Why? Because Joseph is a tender, kind, Jewish, rule-following man. He's a good man. He's a righteous man. And he's getting wisdom. He's like, we we don't engage with people like this. We don't believe in people like this. But Joseph here knows in this moment that if this thing goes public, if noise about this gets out and it gets out fast, this is going to cost not just Mary's life, but the life of, of the baby that Mary is carrying within her. And so he decides in his heart that he's going to divorce her. Now notice that before the angel directs Joseph to do anything in this moment, he reminds Joseph who he is. He says, Joseph, son of David. We know that Mary is highly favored. Luke's gospel addresses this. But Joseph is the son of David. You see, what the angel is reminding Joseph, or not even reminding, letting Joseph know of here, is the kingly line by which Jesus will rise to be king comes through David. That kingly line is not something that is prophetically brought to fruition through Mary. This happens through Joseph. It says here in Isaiah chapter 9 verse 7, of the greatness of his government and peace there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. Jeremiah 23.5 says this, The days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will raise up for David a righteous branch, a king who will reign wisely and do what is just and right in the land. All of these prophets are talking about Jesus. The way that it gets to Jesus is through the line of King David, but how we get there before this portion, so everything before Matthew chapter 1, verse 18, is Matthew writing about how the kingly line goes through David and all the way to Joseph, leading us to Jesus. Friends, in other words, if Joseph divorces Mary, Jesus becomes an illegitimate heir to the throne of King David. If Joseph divorces Mary, then God's greater plan for you and for me and for our entire world, for all of humanity, starts to be compromised. Because then in this moment, Joseph does not recognize that Jesus belongs to him. But Joseph isn't a king. Joseph, son of David... Joseph, son of royalty. Joseph, son of this king, by which whom God made a covenant with over a thousand years ago. But Joseph's like, I'm not a son of David. I don't live in a palace. No one caters to my needs. I don't have government officials nervous and worried about the news that they're going to bring before me because they don't know how I'm going to respond because I am a king after all. And I have all the power. People need to watch what they say. He isn't living large. As a matter of fact, he and Mary end up raising Jesus in Nazareth, which was the ghetto back in those days. While Joseph is unsure about who he is, God is absolutely clear of who he created Joseph to be and what he created Joseph to do. I grew up in a, a poor family. Um, I remember food stamps. And uh, I think if I, if, I, if I thought about it hard enough, I still could taste government cheese. Why are you guys laughing? I'm just kidding. I'm kidding. I did, I did set that up as a joke, okay? And they're like, oh, no. I remember my mom, I was seven years old or so. My mom uh, gave me some cash. She says, I need you to go to the corner store. I need you to get some milk, eggs, and bread for our family. I said, okay, but this doesn't look like real money. I didn't say anything because as a firstborn in a Latin American household, you just do what you're told. So I grab the money. I go to the corner store. I grab what I need to grab, and I go to hand the clerk the money that I have in my hand. There's no conversation that ensues, but everything on his face, the expression on his face, lets me in on the fact that everything about this circumstance the situation is off and wrong. The entire time, I'm nervous that this guy thinks I'm handing him Monopoly money, right? But this moment was one that labeled me might be too strong of a word, but it definitely touched me in a specific way. Most of my identity as a teenager then was how do I get out of this situation that we're in? How do I go after wealth? So I never have to, certainly not me, certainly not anyone I'd ever be associated with, would ever have to go through this situation again. My identity was wrapped up in money. But while I was making decisions based on that, there were people in my life who noticed something about me. Though I grew up in a Baptist church, they were people that prophetically spoke over me the calling that God had for my life. While I was running for one thing in one direction, everyone else was being a mouthpiece to who God had created me to be and the purposes that God had for my life. Friends, in this passage, Joseph moves from being a good tender, rule-following Jewish man to become a spirit-obedient servant of God. He wakes up from this dream and immediately, without hesitation, takes Mary home to be his wife. He wakes up and he doesn't go around asking people, hey, what do they think about it? Hey, I had this dream, but I'm not sure if it was the hummus that I had the night before that was a little bit old and dated, or if it really was God, there was no conversation, there was no hesitation. He gets up, he takes Mary home to be his wife. He was clear on his assignment as the earthly father of Jesus. Friends, where is there hesitation and fear in your life? In doing the things that God has called you to do, in being the people that God has called you to be? Where is there fear and hesitation in your life when when it's clear that God is calling but your response to him is no. Not yet. I can't. Do you know what this will mean for me? I will tell you that God has a greater plan and purpose not just for your life but for the world around you. One in which you play a vital role. Role. That's alignment number one. Alignment number two is alignment with his plan of salvation. Alignment with his plan of salvation. Matthew one twenty one says this, She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. Jesus was not the type of Messiah that the Jewish people were waiting on and expecting. You see, in the glory days... That during the times of King David and King Solomon, if you remember those Old Testament stories, there were four things that the people of Israel had and lived by that they celebrated and rejoiced in. Number one, they had land; they had territorial boundaries that that belonged to them. It was their own. They were an autonomous nation. Number two, there was a temple. There was, a place, there was a place where the presence of God was housed for people to go to and offer sacrifices and meet with God and worship God and, and commune God, with God. Number three, they were united. They weren't a divided kingdom at this point. They were together as one people, the, tr- the 12 tribes of Israel. And number four, they had a king. There was someone who would represent God to the people. But 600 years before this moment, before the moment that Jesus arrives, all four of those things are lost. They no longer have their own land. They're no longer an autonomous nation. No, other empires have come in and overtaken them. Number two, they've been a scattered people. They no longer even live in their land. It's not just that they got taken over and they were allowed to stay and they were allowed to do what they needed to do. No, they were taken over and ripped out of the land that they've known to call home for hundreds of years. The third thing was that the temple and Jerusalem were burned to the ground. And finally, there was no king. There was no longer someone who would represent God to the people. So this is 600 years before Jesus comes on the scene. But there there is a glimmer of hope that comes 100 years later. So 500 years before what we're reading here in Matthew. 500 years earlier, a remnant, a small group of people are allowed back in the land. They're allowed back in Jerusalem and their surrounding areas. They're given the opportunity and the freedom to rebuild uh, the temple, to rebuild Jerusalem. And so they start offering sacrifices to God. Sure, we're, we, we don't own our land yet. We're still, we're still governed by other people, by other empires, people that believe all these other gods. But if we could just get our king back, then we can go back to the ways in which things used to be. Y'all remember the glory days? Remember those stories we heard and how expansive our territory was, how beautiful the temple used to be, how majestic Jerusalem was. If we could just get our king back, then we can go back to the ways things used to be. But then God goes silent for 400 years. You see, friends, If the people of Israel were in this moment, were going to experience the saving power of their Messiah, the saving power of Christ, they needed to release their faulty expectations on on what salvation was going to look like and how God would provide it. We're a family of six. I have four girls and therefore I need a minivan. It's just the way things are, right? Right? There, there he is or she is. We haven't labeled our, our van yet. I don't think our van has a name. <clears throat> a few years ago, though, we, we were in the market for a new van, right? Our, our, the van that we had was starting to break down. Uh, it, it was starting to have all these issues. It started, anytime it rained really hard, water would get in and mold. and You know, it just was like, this thing is terrible, right? The great news is we started looking for vans after COVID, right? That's a joke right? Everything's going up in price. We can't, we can't make chips anymore. I was like, that doesn't even make any sense. I can buy a new Mac, but I can't get a new car? Come on. They cost about the same. Um, <clears throat> so we're, we're, we're in the market for it, right? This is post-COVID now. It's the beginning of 2021, and, I, and I'm putting feelers out there. Hey, anybody out there, you know, looking to get rid of the van? No, everybody's holding on to the van. Of course you are, right? But I got into the habit of asking God for free stuff, Yo, know, if you guys have never asked God for free stuff, I highly recommend it. Highly recommend it. God has answered prayers like that all the time for me. So I'm like, okay, God, here it is. Like, we need a miracle. And we need a van. We need a van. Quickly provide something. And so I, I've got my wife, Carrie, she's looking at stuff. She's, you know, we've, we're connected to this one organization that's helping us out You look for things. We're getting through the summer. We're still doing okay, but now we need a van. Like, it's necessary. Carrie finds one that she likes. Great. I love it. What do you think? Does it matter if you do? I didn't even see it. When this thing rolled up to my house, I was like, oh, okay, cool. That's what our van looks like. No idea, right? But I know how much we put into it is, is you know, what's painful, right? I know how much this van costs, right? Now, We didn't have the funds necessarily to do this. At least there were other things we were hoping to use this money for and prepare ourselves, you know, financially, right? So October 21, this van shows up to my house. It's December 2021 now. My wife and I were having a conversation about our finances and where things are financially. And I said, wait a minute, time out. Do you realize that God gave us this van for free? Now, Carrie looks at me, she's like, come on, why would you say something like that? I know how much this costs. You remind me all the time how much this van costs, right? Like, this van wasn't free. I said, no, no, no. It wasn't free when we got it. But do you realize that the financial gift that we receive and a few of these other things coming through, God paid us back what we put out with interest. Hmm. Friends, I will claim, That this is God's provision, this is God's salvation, this is God's rescue for me and my family from a financial predicament we could have been in. I praise the Lord who loves his children enough to give them free stuff, amen? Friends, where in our lives do we need to be be open to to the ways in which God wants to provide salvation for you and for me? I love what Pastor Chris did with you guys. Hey, you've got three of these cards. I think it's still here, right? Three of these cards. Invite them out. Two, three of these cards for your neighbors, right? Who in your life needs to hear that there is still a God today that pursues his children, that still pursues them because he has a plan to rescue and to save them? Friends, it, 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 will not, it will not happen. It will not come until we put down our faulty expectations with how we think God should save us. And how we think God should provide for us. The van didn't come for me in the way that I, it's not how I would have done it, right? I would have asked, I, I would have been like, you should have had like a free van roll up to my house. Like then I would have known it was really you, right? It's not how I planned it. But it is how he decided to provide it. Where in your life are you still restraining the Lord, putting limitations and boundaries on how you think he should show up or not show up to bring rescue, hope, and salvation for you and your life? So, yes, friends, alignment number one is alignment with identity for your life, alignment number two, alignment with his plan for salvation, and finally, alignment number three, alignment with his ever. Present presence in our lives. Verse 22 says this: All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. Friends, I don't want you to miss this. You need to realize that it is God through the Holy Spirit that is causing a disturbance in this passage. And this disturbance isn't just for this couple. We read at the, at the beginning of chapter two that Herod and all of Jerusalem was disturbed with him. Jesus is showing up. And I will tell you, friends, Jesus brings with him interruptions. Jesus brings with him disturbances. But the reason that he does this is because God desires to be with his people. It isn't interruptions and disturbances because God is trying to ruin your life. No, he's bringing interruptions and disturbances because he's trying to save your life. He's drawing close. He's drawing near. He's bringing hope to the helpless. He's bringing healing and wholeness to the broken. I was watching one of my daughters <clears throat> play in a bouncy house. I had my eye on her, all of her flips and tricks and tumbles, right? Much like the, you know, the ones that you see here, right? These um, bouncy house things. And um, I had my eye on her the whole time. She, she slips out of, these, out of one of these that like has multiple points of entrance and entry, right? Like every parent's worst nightmare, right? Like someone once said, I wish all the kids didn't have to come in and out in the same way. But then you don't think about the ramifications that come after the fact, right? And so she slips out one of these. I'm watching her. But instead of making the right-hand turn to walk toward me, she takes a left-hand turn because she's become disoriented. So she starts to walk away from me, right? She immediately, I can tell she's in a panic, but rather than retracing her steps, she keeps walking. Now she's found herself behind the bouncy house. So this this is like a, a community day thing, so there's tons of people, the crowd noise is crazy, but now she's back behind where the generators are keeping this bouncy house inflated. And so I start calling and yelling out to her, but she can't hear me above the noise, right? I see that as she turns and starts walking this way, and and now i got to get around the bouncy house to get to her, I see that there are immediate tears streaming down her face. She's panicked. She's in despair. I'm calling out to her, but she can't hear me, Right? She's crying because she can't see me, but I could always see her. She's scared that she's somehow lost, but I know exactly where she is. She can't move to me, but in this moment, I must move to where she is to bring hope again, to let her know everything's going to be okay again. Friends, how much more... It's God's ever-present presence in our lives. See, you might feel lost. You might feel unnoticed. You might be unseen by the masses around you. You might be in situations and circumstances that are less than ideal, especially in this season when it seems like everybody else but you is cheerful. Everybody else but you is joyful. But friends, I'm here today to tell you that there is one who sees you. There is one who knows you. There is one that doesn't just call you by name. No, when you can't see him, when you are in despair, when you cannot move close to where he is, friends, he draws close to you. Because his name was, his name is, and his name will forever will be Emmanuel, God with us. <clears throat> How do we know this? How do we know that it doesn't just end here in this moment? It's just a cute little baby name, right? Because the same way that Matthew begins his gospel is the same way he ends his gospel. You see, on the night when Jesus was betrayed and they hung him high and they stretched him wide and every single one of the people that were following him in that moment thought of him. He is our Messiah, he's our king, he's our salvation. He's the one that's always going to be with us. He's going to be the one to bring the nation back to us. When they saw him on that cross and he breathed his last breath and they thought it was over, three days later Jesus comes back from the grave. And when he's gathered his disciples in Galilee at the end of Matthew chapter 28 and he calls them to make disciples of all nations, Matthew ends his book like this, behold, behold, I am with you always until the very end of the age. Friends, not even death can separate you from the power and presence of God in your life. I don't know what you're struggling with today. I don't know what you think is dead, buried, is broken, needs healing, can never be revived, but I will tell you this, that there is a king and his name is Jesus. He came 2,000 years ago to cause a disturbance and an interruption for you, for me, for, for a time in the world where there was more tension than at any other point in human history, when there was this fake half king that was oppressing people, murdering people, taking people's lives, God was not afraid to step into this moment in human history and bring in life and hope. Yes, friends, when Jesus shows up, he brings with him disturbances and interruptions. He does so because he's trying to bring you and me into alignment with his greater plan and purposes for your life, for my life, for the life of your kids, for the life of your relationship, for the life of your coworkers, for the life of your boss that you can't stand, for the life of your neighbor that you wish would move away. Jesus has brought these interruptions to bring us into alignment, friends, so that we can be clear about our identity, so that we can have hope not just in this life but in the life to come, and so that we would know that there is a God Who forever reigns with his people. Amen? Jesus, we want to thank you, Lord. Thank you, God, that you left the comfort of heaven so that we might have life and have it in all of its fullness. God, I thank you that there is a church here in Brick called True Life. Where the true life of Jesus can be found. Not as something that exists apart from us, but as something that exists within us. The kingdom of God is within us. Father, I pray blessings for my brothers and sisters here today. Lord, that they would see in a different framework and paradigm the interruptions and the disturbances that you have brought before them. God, not to make them angry, not for them to try to control things, not to raise the anxiety level up, but Lord, to align them to your greater plan and purposes for our world. Would you bless them? We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen and amen.